Please turn in your Bibles with me to our text uh, this evening, which comes from the book of Ecclesiastes, as we have now come upon the, the tenth chapter, Ecclesiastes chapter 10, and we will be uh, looking at verses 1 to 7 this evening. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verses 1 to 7. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, <clears throat> verses 1 to 7. Please hear with me then the reading of God's Word. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense. And he says to everyone that he is a fool. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place. For calmness will lay great offenses to rest. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. Thus far is the reading of God's Word. Uh, it seems to me in this day and age that we are living in, that uh, people are, are less and less concerned about what others uh, think about them. Uh, perhaps that might just be the case because with the rise of you know, social media, it's, it's kind of in, in your face and it's vocalized a lot. But, I mean, I think about <clears throat> even how people used to keep things private out of not wanting to endure shame, you know, before people publicly. Uh, things were kept uh, private or even hidden in a, in a sense, maybe as, as children became adults from their parents because they didn't want to you know, disappoint their parents by certain things that they were doing or certain ways in which they were living. But it's that uh, lack of, of care or concern that I think even extends to the, to the church and many Christians today. Um, this is far a far cry from from way that things used to be. I mean, I, I think about even our particular Baptist uh, uh, forefathers in the 17th century and the, and the great care they, they took to, to not uh, bring shame or embarrassment upon anyone else or the church. You know, I think about uh, when they were examining a man to see if he had the gifts to teach. Uh, what they would do is they would only allow the members to sit in. They would, you know, close all the doors Nobody from the public was able to come in. And they did that because they said, well, if this man is no good at, 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 at preaching, we don't want to embarrass him. We don't want to embarrass his family. But also we don't want to embarrass the church. And most of all, we don't want to dishonor God in any way. Right? That's what people used to be concerned about. Right? They, they used to care. And there's a, a right concern, in a sense, right, of, of, of wanting people to, to not think a certain way about you and Desiring them to, to see you in, a, in another way. Um, I just recently became aware of this one clip, and maybe some of you guys have as well. It's uh, a, another church in the, in the Midwest, and they recently, uh, I think it was over Super Bowl weekend, um, were trying to, to make some point on stage as they're wearing their uh, football jerseys, and uh, as they are trying to to, to, to draw out some point using a football analogy, uh, the pastor uh, 
sets the, the Bible, has someone hold it to the ground, has someone stand afar off, and they attempt to punt the Bible to the other person on the stage. And they, you know, they kick it and it, you know, flies way off of the stage and, you know, people end up laughing about it. And you think that, you know, someone would have had some sort of wisdom there and saying, if at the very least, what might others think about this if they've seen that, you know? Um, But they didn't do that. And so it becomes a viral sensation. And I mean, you probably have, you know, umpteen number of, of unbelievers who are sitting back seeing this, thinking to themselves, right, these are Christians, these are people who serve God, this is what your God desires and wants. And they probably are laughing at, at these people, even themselves, unbelievers, seeing how anti-Christian right that kind of thing is. Uh, but these things happen all the time. Um, but that's because so many operate right, with, with godly wisdom and not uh, heavenly wisdom. Uh, churches today are so concerned with being cool right, and, and relevant and relatable that when they strategize on how to bring people into the church, they never stop and think, uh, about you know what this will say or what this will will cause people to think about the God whom they say they love and serve. Right? We live in this world today of of live and let live, but look at what results for those who profess Christ. I probably doubt that uh, this church that I'm describing was you know super biblically sound prior to this event. But let's just say for the, the sake of argument they are. They were a biblically sound church. I mean, think about what that one event now has done. Right? For those who were in attendance who witnessed it, I'm sure maybe some of those people will never come back to that church again. Uh, maybe for others who are looking for churches in that area, they'll never visit that church. Um, even if this church going forward right, proclaims God's word faithfully, um, they're always going to be remembered for this. Right? They're always going to be remembered for this. It's going to follow them and travel with them everywhere they go. This is why it is so important right, to walk in, in godly wisdom, seeing the, the great damage that can be done when we don't. Right? This is why Scripture so many times right, calls us to godly wisdom. Uh, Paul in Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Earlier in Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul tells them that his prayer is that these saints would be filled with all wisdom so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. See, part of the problem is, is that we don't value wisdom enough. We don't see how, how pleasing and valuable it actually is, and not just to ourselves, not just to others, but to God. Right? This is why we all ought to desire it and and pray for it. Walking in wisdom, always before God, will make you more useful and valuable to the kingdom of God. It makes you more useful to your church. It makes you more useful to your neighbors, to your co-workers, to society that you live in, to your own home. One reason why it is so important now to walk in wisdom is because Right, with the rise of things like social media and, and people being, being able to see things, right, in an instant and be able to post it and everyone see it to, you know, in the millions. 
is that right? people are always looking for Christians to misstep, aren't they? Right? They're looking for us to mess up in word and in deed. And so this is why we have to always walk with godly wisdom so that we would not right, open ourselves up to, to living like the fool and destroying our reputation. Um, I mean, we're all probably familiar with, with pastors in this country and around the world right, who at one time were, were high figures, right, men people looked up to whose whole ministry crumbled and fall because of their reputation and allowing something to, to besmirch it. And all it takes is just one thing, doesn't it? It takes one thing to, to ruin your, your reputation forever. This is what Solomon then is pointing out in verse 1. Dead flies make the perfumer's ointment give off a stench. So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Right? A, a dead fly that just kind of lays in, in ointment for a while, what does it do? It, it kind of pollutes the ointment, right? It, it corrupts the ointment. It destroys the, the smell or the, right, the, 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 the value of it. I mean, think about uh, in the summer. You know, you sit outside maybe in your backyard with a glass of, of lemonade and you go cut the grass and you come back to drink your lemonade and you have some flies in it. Right? It ruins it, doesn't it? Right? It ruins your drink. What was once valuable to you is no longer valuable. What was once useful to you is no longer useful. And in the same way, then, just a little folly can destroy years of wisdom and honor. And we're not just talking about gross sin. Right? So you don't have to say, well, I'm not doing anything that, that big or that bad, so it shouldn't matter. Right? Think about the size of a fly and the, the damage it can do to a box of ointment. Or the damage it can do to a big glass of, of your favorite juice. Right? It, it destroys it. Corrupts it. And the same is, is true with even things that we might consider to be lesser sins. Uh, rashness in speaking to somebody. Uh, an outburst of temper. Rudeness. Right? All of these things that we might consider to be you know, very small and insignificant sins could destroy our reputation among neighbors, co-workers, friends, even our children. Right? When they see these things, we can severely damage our reputation before them. Now, it's not to say that just because you misstep, you'll never be useful in the kingdom of God. Right? That's not what we're saying. But what it does mean is that those who, who always walk in godly wisdom, you have the greater capacity to serve the Lord. Right? The one who's always walking with godly wisdom beside him is the one who has the greater capacity to serve God. Uh, as one author says, and I'll paraphrase, uh, godly wisdom must be like the air we breathe. Right? You're, you're always breathing air, right? right? You, you need it constantly. Right? You need it to live. And that's how we ought to think about godly wisdom. That everywhere we go, we need godly wisdom with us. Uh, we can never be apart from godly wisdom. We need it in, in every area of our lives. Right? This is why we need to see the importance of cultivating godly wisdom then in every area of our life. That we just don't hear godly wisdom being preached and shake our heads and amen it and then go home and don't practice it. Right? But that we hear it preached and then we practice it. But we must desire ultimately to do this. Why? Because we love God. Because we love the name of our God. We love our God's body, His church. And so we would never want to do anything to, to bring shame upon His name and His church and His glory because of our negligence. 
right, in living our life in an ungodly and foolish manner. And that means praying, though, for godly wisdom, being diligent in our use of godly wisdom, understanding how needful it is in each day of our life. Look at what Solomon then says about wisdom in verses 2 and 3. A wise man's heart inclines him to the right, but a fool's heart to the left. Even when the fool walks on the road, he lacks sense, and he says to everyone that he is a fool. Here we see what a great gift those saving knowledge is, right? That we by nature go astray. We, we go to the left here in Solomon's example, don't we? Right? We are all those who by nature go left. Our hearts deceive us, and the heart needs to be put in the right place. Right? By nature, our hearts are bent away from God. They need to be redirected right, in the right direction. Paul says in Romans 8, verse 7, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Right? It's only by the grace of God that we receive a, a new heart and a new will and, and new desires, which enables us to, to think rightly and to live rightly and to act rightly. But the new heart needs to first be put in place before we can move out from going left and, and begin to go right. Now, what Solomon also points out, though, is that there are many people who, who kind of fake it to make it, don't they? Right? There are kind of many imposters. Uh, perhaps that was true of you at some time. Right? That, that you acted as if you were, you were going right. Right? You acted as if you were a believer. You acted as if you, you operated with godly wisdom. Um, perhaps you know people who today, right? Friends or family who do, who, who proclaim to, to know Christ but whose lives evidence otherwise. For that's what Solomon is saying, is that even though they might walk the path, eventually their conduct is going to expose them for who they are. Right? They can't fake it forever. Right? Ultimately, what they do will demonstrate to everyone that, that they are fools. And sadly, again, we see this even in the church. When people are told, you know, just you know, say this prayer and accept Jesus, you'll be saved, or... Or, hey, you need to, you need to accept Jesus because when you do, um, everything in your life is gonna begin to, to go right. Um, and people do that, but then, then they come to faith, or they say that they come to faith, and then, right, their health issues don't go away, their financial struggles don't go away. And in fact, maybe their issues stack up higher and higher and higher. Right? What ultimately do we see happen? That those who once profess faith, who for a time maybe looked like they were Christians, all of a sudden revert back to their foolish ways, right? Because you, you can't fake it forever, right? That's what God does though, doesn't He? He brings things into our lives. He, He puts us into places and circumstances and He brings struggles and trials in order that we might be able to discover by our conduct who we really are. And He doesn't just do that for the unbeliever, does He? He does it for the believer as well, right? How many of us maybe have thought to ourselves, you know, I, I think I'm becoming a, a really a patient person. You know, or uh, uh, my faith, I feel as, as if it's become so strong. Or my knowledge, I really feel, you know, you get big-headed. I, oh, I, I have a lot of knowledge. And then before you know it, you're put into circumstances that, that test your patience, that test your faith, that reveal that you really don't know all that you thought you knew. Right? But that's what God does. Right? He He puts us in situations to just by our conduct, reveal to us certain truths. But the difference is this between the wise person and the fool. Solomon says in Proverbs verse 18, verse 2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding. 
Right? A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but that the opposite is true of the of the believer. Right? They they do take pleasure in understanding. When God shows them the indwelling sin that, that still lies within them, they take notice of that. Right? They repent of it. They call out to God in faith. They ask Him for greater strength and, and greater uh, belief. And so if we want to protect ourselves though from being that fool, we must learn our ever-present need to, to daily live upon the Word of God. When you, before you speak, right, before you go and do anything, are we asking ourselves, right, is, is, does this align with the Word of God? Right? Is, is what I'm saying aligning with the Word of God? Is what I'm going to do aligning with the Word of God? Right? That's, that's a question, right? We need to ask ourselves. And perhaps we wouldn't find ourselves in all of these precarious uh, situations. Right? If we just took the time to, to say, is what I'm doing aligning with God's Word? And it's God's Word that directs us how to deal even with wicked rulers or, or wicked uh, people in our lives who unjustly wield power. Look at verse... Uh, four with me. If the anger of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your place, for calmness will lay great offenses to rest. What's Solomon saying here? Well, he's saying, he's certainly not saying that you can never defend yourself or that you're not to stand up for yourself, but he's also saying that godly wisdom teaches us to respect authority. And it's also saying that godly wisdom teaches us that if we want to have any effect on these people, sometimes you, you have to stay there, even in the midst of being mistreated. Right? It's not always the right time to, to take off and leave when the person in authority over you is mistreating you. Right? If, if you want to be able to, to, to tell them about Christ and, and draw them to the Savior, then, then it doesn't mean always taking off. It means sometimes quietly bearing under it. Remember that Pharaoh in Genesis 40 uh, hung the chief baker. And in Genesis 41, uh, because uh, Joseph interpreted the king's dream rightly, he's put in this high position of authority. Well, Joseph doesn't say, well, you're a wicked king. You're putting people to, to death unjustly. I can't serve you. Right? But rather, he takes it as, a, as an opportunity in which he is able to, to magnify Right through his life and through his faith and his actions, the God that he served, which is why Pharaoh could not deny, right, that the the, the God of Joseph was a great God. He had to acknowledge that. Uh, take Daniel for example. If you remember Daniel chapter two, uh, the king's dreams could not be interpreted, and so he went to 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 rile up all the all the wise men everywhere and put them to death, which included Daniel and his friends. Uh, but Daniel is able to interpret the king's dream, and then what does he do? He, he puts Daniel in this great position of authority. Daniel doesn't say, no, king, you were going to kill me a minute ago. Why would I ever want to serve you? But rather, he takes the opportunity. Right? Uh, and what happens? Right? The king ends up saying, truly, your God is the God of God and the Lord of kings. Right? He, he acknowledges this. But Daniel needed the opportunity. He needed to be in the king's presence for the king to see that. After trying to kill Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what happens? Right when they they leave the the fiery furnace, right again, the king is forced to to praise their God, and then he puts them in these positions of great power 
in, uh, in Babylon. And they didn't say, well, you just try to kill me. There's no way I'm serving you. But rather, they do it. Right? They serve him. For they have a great opportunity to, to bear witness to the name of God amongst these pagan people that they would not have if they just ran away because they were mistreated. Right? You have two sets of fools usually uh, with, with how they would respond in these types of situations. Right? You, have, you have one type of fool who would be mistreated uh, and then out of fear and cowardice, right, he would serve the king and continue to stay there right, because he wouldn't want to do anything to rile up the king against him. Right? The other kind of fool, though, is, is the one who is full of pride, isn't he? And so when the king directs him to do something, even if it's lawful things he's telling him this subject to do, he won't do it. Right? But, but godly wisdom tells us, shows us, reveals to us how it is we ought to handle ourselves in, in all situations. Right? That we obey the king's command when he demands lawful obedience. And when he tells us to do something sinful, right, we humbly, right, not trying to show up the king, say, you know, this is something that we, that we cannot do. But also, even in the way in which we respond to that king or that ruler, that person over us, Right, realizing that there are all these other people looking around at how it is that we are going to respond, right? Responding in the right manner. Right? Sadly, many times the Christian's response to injustice towards them, right, is a, is a worse response than what has been done to them. Right? Whatever hope we had of then getting that person to see their need of, of Christ is gone. Right? They'll never be able to, 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 to reach them again. And so wisdom tells us that whatever our response is to be in this world, right, whether it's to stay where we're at or to go, whether that's to listen and obey or to right, humbly say, no, we cannot. At the end of the day, what we ought to be most concerned with is not ourselves, right, but ultimately with dishonoring God. Here then is the last thing that Solomon points out. Look with me at verse 5. There is an evil that I have seen under the sun, as it were, an error proceeding from the ruler. Folly is set in many high places, and the rich sit in a low place. I have seen slaves on horses and princes walking on the ground like slaves. Right? The evil that Solomon highlights here is the evil of, of wicked rulers promoting unqualified people to positions of, of prominence. Right? And what Solomon sees wrong with that is that the, the proper order of how things are is kind of turned around. Right? It's, and this is something that we see in our own society. Right? We see this at all, all levels of authority. Uh, you see people who promote their friends. Right? Not people who are qualified, but people who will come on and, and be yes-men and do whatever they say. Right? But Solomon says that's, that's the wrong order. Right? That's not how it ought to be. Now, the rich here that he talks about, folly is set in many high places and the rich sit in a low place. We have to understand it's not that, that he's saying rich people ought to be the ones in power, but, but the rich are being compared to the fool or those in folly. And so here we ought to really see rich as, as rich with knowledge, rich with abilities, rich with grace. Right? But this is why uh, wisdom teaches us as believers right, not to set our hearts on earthly dignity. Right? We're not to set our hearts on it because this world is not going to see your gifts and your graces and, and your godly wisdom you operate with and, and really see that as, as a positive or a plus. Uh, nowadays, you might go to a job interview 
and you might mention your faith. In all things being equal, you would think that maybe someone who is a believer might have kind of a leg up because the employer would go, oh, if we hire this person, they're going to work hard. Uh, they're going to, you know, we can trust them. They're going to be trustworthy. They're not going to steal from us. But I think t- in today's day and age, if you mention the fact that you're a believer, it's actually probably a mark against you now. Right? Because they go, oh, if we hire this person, you know, all of our practices aren't, you know, on the up and up. You know, they might have a problem with that. Or, you know, I know a lot of people at, at our place of employment who, you know, curse God's name. Right? We use it in vain all the time. We don't want to deal with them, you know, complain to HR about us. Right? And so uh, they don't want to hire the Christian. Or they see it as, as something, as a negative instead of a positive. But these are things that we must deal with. But ultimately, it shouldn't move us. It shouldn't bother us. Because we realize right, what these people are giving up to have these positions of prominence and, and power. Right? They're giving up right, the kingdom of God for these things. Right? The kingdom that Jesus says was like a, a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. It is this rich treasure right, through the proclamation of the Gospel that belongs to you and I. Right? Is that not far more valuable than, than anything that, that man on this earth could bestow upon you and I? Think also what wisdom they have given up in pursuit of, of worldly wisdom. Right? They've given up not, not wisdom that is a thing, but they've given up the wisdom that is a person. They've given up wisdom personified in Christ. That is who they've given up, but that is who is ours. That's who belongs to us. That is who we will readily give up all vain glory on this earth for. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who as earthly kings are happy with you one minute and angry and ready to put you to death the next. Our Lord does not change. There is no shadow or turning in Him. Right? He has set His love upon His people. He has sent His Son to die for us. And so His love for us will never grow or never decrease because He already infinitely loves us and cannot love us more. And so we ought to be thankful then, never wandering from the side of the Lord, walking in wisdom, because when we walk in wisdom, we have nothing to fear, do we? Right? Loss of possessions, of livelihood, of, of job of honor amongst people, or even life. right? For when we walk with Christ and we walk in wisdom, right, there is nothing or no one that the believer ever has to fear. For in Christ we have all that we need. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, Your Word is rich with wisdom um, it's because You are all wise. Um, We thank You for this uh, wise word this evening. And we pray, Lord, that You would help to work godly wisdom uh, in Your people as well. Uh, We acknowledge that we have not come to a state of perfection in our wisdom. Uh, Oftentimes, Lord, we find ourselves um, wanting to, to act out in foolish manners. Lord, we pray that You would help us to see um, how we ought to flee from that type of thinking and how careful we need to be with, with the way that we conduct ourselves in every area of our life, in our homes, uh, at church, in our places of employment, or out and about in 
our neighborhoods. Lord, let us see the, uh, the great evil that we can do to the kingdom and to your name through our uh, sullying our own reputation through wicked conduct. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to, to be watchful over our souls, to guard ourselves, and to be right men and women and children who uh, are concerned about what people think in the sense that we would never want to do anything to, to besmirch the name of our, our Lord and our dear and precious Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we pray that you would strengthen our hearts, our resolve, our faith this day, And we ask all these things in Christ's name we pray. Amen.